A number of years ago, as usual, when we have people over for company, but it was around Christmas time, I don't remember exactly when this was, but I was sent to the grocery store to, um, around Christmas time to pick up some last minute kind of stuff so we could probably feed 100 people or something. Uh, but I was walking across the parking lot, and I, I, first of all, I heard a couple of things. One was a Salvation Army bell ringer. <laughs> you know those guys. Uh, but there was a young lady alongside of him who was playing a flute, and I immediately recognized the song. And before I could stop myself, I began singing because I knew the song exactly that she was playing. It was Isaac Watts' great hymn, Joy to the World, which we have just Sung. This classic hymn of joy was written in 1719, so this is a pretty old song by now, and is a paraphrase of the call to worship for our scripture reading today. It comes from Psalm 98, which is regarded as a messianic psalm. In other words, whoever wrote this psalm was looking forward to the joy of the coming Mashiach, the Messiah. And in the ancient church, people who chanted this psalm, and I thought about it, uh, we could, I could have put the chanting notes up there. We could have chanted Psalm 98 today instead of having Larry do it, but I thought, mm, I wasn't going to inflict that on Lou. Uh, but they would chant this psalm as they anticipated and were welcoming the Christ child to become the enthroned one, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So this psalm is also known as an enthronement psalm. It's a psalm that you would sing or chant when the king was present because it was a joyful time whenever the king showed up. Now, today we're going to take a little bit deeper dive into Psalm 98 and talk, talk about the basis for the joy that we celebrate today. And I'm going to read to you again verses 1 to 3, and I apologize. I told Larry to do it in King James, so that's what I have in my notes. Oh, sing, well, this will sound more familiar to Jeff. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation, his righteousness. Hath he opened shoo, openly shewed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Wow. You know, gathered in worship, do you hear those words? Our, our ancient spiritual mothers and fathers were challenged continually to sing unto the Lord a new song. And the essence of that Hebrew word, a new, really means a fresh one. It's like something new, something that just flows from the heart, perhaps. And that we were challenged uh, to do this new or fresh song, for he has done marvelous, which would be another word for extraordinary. He's done extraordinary things in our lives. And the extraordinary things that they would have been thinking about way back when this psalm was written were when God first began to bring grace to his people. And every time I think of that word grace, G-R-A-C-E, I think of that acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. That's what grace is all about. And so we're challenged to sing this extraordinary song. Now, in the past, these extraordinary things that they were singing about referred to some pretty spectacular acts of God. For example, let there be in creation. That's a pretty spectacular event. It also had something to do with the call of Abraham. It has something to do with uh, the Exodus where God manifests. He kind of shows up and shows out. And then there's even the election or the picking of David as king as the Messiah is placing his hand and bringing joy to this world. 
And at the same time, Psalm 98 celebrates a future time. And this is a time I'm looking forward to. I don't know when it's going to come. It may come while I'm still living. It may come hundreds of years after I'm dead and gone. But there's going to be some earth-shattering grace that comes back to this world. And it's going to bring victory where all the ends of the earth, as this psalm says, will witness what the salvation or victory of our Lord. We probably could have sung that song today, Mary Evelyn, Victory in Jesus. That probably would have been a pretty good song to sing, too. Now, what the English readers of your Bible, whether you're reading ESV, the King Jimmy, uh, you might not know that this word salvation, which is repeated in verses 1, 2, and 3, is a Hebrew word, which is yesuah. And sometimes Yeshua is the proper name for, like, Joshua. Uh, by the way, happy birthday to our grandson tomorrow, um, Joshua. And uh, sometimes then it is uh, translated into the Greek language, which is Jesus. So Psalm 98, these first three verses that we've read already, is about the proclamation of amazing salvation by the grace of God in this Yeshua, in this God in this Jesus. Now, Christmas declares that salvation or victory has come because Yeshua has now had flesh and blood and was born to Mary. Uh, It's a testimony to his infinite, and I love this this word, I love saying this word in Hebrew, chesed, uh, his chesed love, his merciful love, his steadfast love. And that word, chesed, is the heart of, uh, in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, and it says it's a revelation of a divine name to love, uh, to mercy, it's grace, it's faithfulness, it's commitment, and it's all wrapped up in that one little word. And you all probably could clear your throats this morning and say, yeah, (laughs) there you go. Well, the second thing this psalm tells us is that all the earth erupts in praise. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, how many times you've been places where, where cheering erupted? I mean, I watch enough sports where, you know, somebody hits a three-pointer at the buzzer to win the game by one, and the crowd erupts in joy, jumps up and down. Well, hymn writer zeroes in on verses 4 to 6. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the heart. Could have been a guitar, kind of lute kind of thing. And with the harp in the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Now, I hope you notice here that everybody gathered together. Uh, here, They challenge not just the, the other Israelites to sing with them. They're saying the whole earth, which sometimes we think is groaning today, rises up to worship the one true God, the God of Israel, the God that has done marvelous things and has, been, and has been faithful to Israel and has brought, what, Yeshua to all of us. Now, that the earth has witnessed his righteousness, they can worship him. That's why he's saying, so make this loud noise, make this joyful noise before the Lord. And, and our translations don't do justice because when it talks about before the Lord, it's a, a word, I think it's panium, and it means face. You do this in front of the face of God. It's one thing, for example, if I were to stand up here and tell you nice things about my wife. But it's another thing to say them face 
to face to her. And so sometimes I think, sometimes we announce all this wonderful stuff we think about God. But I think we need to come to understand that we are really in the presence of God, sitting here, standing here today, and we can talk to him face to face. I don't know if you can draw kind of a mental picture of that, to shout salvation, to sing joyful in the face of God. Now, when you're singing, you're looking up on the screen. Maybe you could think later when we sing something, it's like, I'm singing this into God's face. Joy to the world. You've come. That's what this is all about. It's an intimacy of worship. So the psalmist says, grab your instruments, uh, break out celebration before the face of God. And that's the good news of salvation because grace is celebrated here in Psalm 98. Now, the third part of this, somebody else starts Verses 7 and 9, rocks and trees and oceans worship. You ever think about that? Was the last time you were, well, we have rock music. We could have played, we could have played Christian rock today. Uh, I'm not seeing a tree worship, but ocean. But verses 7 and 9, let the sea roar in, full, in the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein, let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. And that's again in, in his face. For he comes to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Guess what? He's going to be fair. It's not one-sided. See, the congregation, or we might call the people of Restore, or whoever, wherever people are worshiping the name of Jesus today, we are just nothing but a kingdom of priests, and I guess we could say priestesses. We turn. He's now turning from what we do, He's kind of taking a different look, something we might call the inanimate creation, and exhorts our creation to actually praise him. I wonder what that sounds like. Maybe it's the wind that goes through the trees on a beautiful day. Maybe that's the way the trees and the wind are worshiping God. I have no idea. Don't write that down like I said that is gospel. Just a random thought. But since the beginning, the fate of humanity, people like you and me, and the physical world have all been tied together in the creational purposes of God. God created what man and woman, but he also created the earth. And in fact, Adam, where did Adam come from? Well, he was fashioned from what was called Adama, dirt. In fact, he was the first dirt man. We might, that's what we might call him, Adam, the dirt man. And when humans rebelled against their creator... Our fate was tied together with the earth from which he was formed. So in anticipation of a fresh act of salvation, creation itself was urged to praise. And for a while it was groaning. It was groaning, but it it was waiting to break forth in praise. Now, why? It's because salvation for Israel meant salvation for the rest of the nations. And salvation of the nations means salvation for all of God's creation. Now, Paul, uh, like any Jew that would have been nourished on the Hebrew Bible, I mean, he knew his Torah, and no doubt he chanted Psalm 98 once or twice in church and synagogue somewhere along the line. Paul understood this too. Let me read to you from Romans. This is Romans chapter 8, 18 to 23. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I could just stop there and do a whole sermon on that. 
been suffering lately? Big deal. You got good stuff coming. <laughs> That'd be a blunt way of putting it. But he goes on and says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject, subjected to futility, not willingly. Creation was going to stand there and Adam sinned and all of a sudden creation went, what, we're included in this now? You've ruined it for us. It says, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for this adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. That kind of heavenward tug on our hearts. And sometimes that comes stronger because of the body that doesn't seem to work quite as well as it did when we were 15 or 16 or 70 <laughs> or whatever age you want to pick. So in obedience, in obedience in this psalm, what happens? All creation roars, thunders. It, when I saw the definition of that thunders, I thought, man, I'm going to think differently about a storm. Next time, the thunder rolls. Worshiping. They clap their hands in joy. Do you ever hear a, a, that noise during a thunderstorm when lightning hits? Boom, you guys live up on the top of the hill. I bet that's pretty spectacular up there. See, it's his act of grace that commands the response on the part of everything that's been created to burst into joy. It's not just a few folks gathered at Restore or elsewhere. It's the entire earth. Isaac Watts, God imbued him with a lot of divine knowledge, believe me. I think he understood this really well. God still deserves applause on this day. Uh, now, we're not a clapping church, but that's okay. You can clap anytime you want. Uh, applause is just a perfect act of worship in response to a great king. Now, I'm going to take a, another segue here. And this is the fourth part. And this is the connection between Jesus, Mary, and Psalm 98. Psalm 98 and Mary? Okay, let's see. Well, at the birth of Jesus, whatever day that was, by the way, don't get all hooked up on December 24, 25. We could do a whole lesson on when that possibly was when the shepherds were out in the fields watching their flocks by night. Move that to side. You can study that on your own. But it tells us in the Gospel of Luke that on the night when Jesus was born, angels appeared in the sky and they did what? They burst into worship. They burst into this majestic joy because of God's brand new, fresh act of grace in this marvelous deed, I guess you'd call it. And the birth of Jesus was just another amazing act of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. One more time. And where Psalm 98 celebrates God's Yeshua, the angels tell us in joyous praise, glory to who? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, shalom, peace among those he favors. And according to Luke chapter 2, you go read that Christmas story again in verses 10 to 14. What you see is salvation was born on Christmas. It's no longer simply an act by God. 
but now it's like salvation in 3D. It's in the flesh, it's in the blood, because salvation is a person and his name is Jesus. See, the Virgin Mary, I think after Elizabeth kind of blesses the salvation that's taking root in her flesh, bursts out into a new song. Have you read Mary's song, the Magnificat? Uh, it is saturated with Old Testament. I mean, she was, she was not really singing a new song. She was singing an old song. She, she sang the songs of her youth from the Old Testament. And, and I have a sneaking feeling, I can't prove this, but I wonder whether she might have also sung Psalm 98 when she was singing praises that her body was going to give birth to Jesus because those, that would have been something she probably would have sung when she went to temple to worship. And no doubt she recalled the words in verse 3, he hath remembered his chesed, his mercy and truth, his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. In other words, God's action shows his grace, and these words were part of Mary's spiritual DNA. She understood that. So she sings, an, she sings a brand new song called The Magnificent, which charted in Jerusalem probably a week later. But she's got a brand new song, but her new song has, what, old roots. In Luke 1, 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his chesed, his mercy. And Psalm 98, like all the hope of Israel, has now arrived because the God of Israel is true to his covenant. He makes a promise. He keeps his promise. And here's this miraculous incarnation of salvation itself. Now, to answer Mary Evelyn's question. What do the Psalms have to do with Advent and Christmas? She's the one who asked me, how did you connect the Psalms to all of these things in Advent? Well, it was pretty easy, actually. Now, I'm going to ask that again. What do the Psalms have to do with Advent and worship? Answer, almost everything. Almost everything. The Psalms, what do they do? The Psalms promise that God is the creator God who is also the redeeming king. That's how you get a connection there. The Psalms promise that God's Yeshua will be shown to his covenant people. And this Yeshua will be witnessed by all the nations and it will be witnessed, in fact, of all of creation. And the Psalms tell us that this Yeshua is grace not only for the house of Israel, but for the house of Restore, the house of the entire world, everybody. That's why it says in the Bible, what John 3 says, God so loved, what, just Jeff Mitt? No, he does. But the word is cosmos, the whole world, the whole universe. Wow. And see, the Psalms call upon us uh, to celebrate, and really to celebrate joyfully. Even It, it even commands us to do it. You know, and some of us who are raised in a Germanic Lutheran background, well, you know, uh, celebrating and joy in church on Sunday might be to crack a smile occasionally. You know, you know we're not used to this joy kind of stuff. And I, tell you, I have been in worship services where people danced the entire time I preached. People shout at you. It was a little disconcerting when you're used to just a bunch of people just sitting there going. Yeah, he's making some sense. <laughs> you, know, the, you know, and people are, are really into it kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to start doing those kinds of things. Or anything. But you're welcome to do it anytime you want to. 
because we, we just stand in awe of God's amazing act of grace. And I don't know that we could possibly think of anything that ought to make us any happier. It's the joy. So in this song today, the nations have responded. Creation never ceases to praise. The angels added their voice. Mary joins in the chorus and sings about the wonder of the God of Israel because he is the God of the entire creation. So what's Christmas all about? What's Advent all about? Well, somebody said, if somebody asked me, what's, so what, what's the big deal about Christmas? Well, the big deal about Christmas is called good news. They're putting another Bible word, gospel, Evangelion. God's salvation. It's praised in Psalm 98. And it arrived in flesh and blood in Bethlehem a long time ago. So today I just want to encourage you as we get prepared for our big... Next week we're going to celebrate the fourth Sunday in Advent, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, all in one service with communion. So between now and then, find a time to lift up your voices, to clap your hands, and shout to the Lord a new song, whatever it may be. And if you can remember the words next week, come you just come and sing it to all of us. Why would you want to do something like that? Because Jesus the Messiah is born. That seems like a heck of a lot of joy. Maybe we should pray about some things like that. Joy in our life.